The DWA podcast is recorded live to SD card at the old Wrigley building in Santa Cruz, California. Driving while awesome podcast radio hour. <laughs> oh God. Yo, do you guys know what a fluffer is? GTO Mellow Grinds. Oh, I got a PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's really cool. All the smells of crayons for you. <laughs> hey, YOLO, you only have one life. Do you have coilovers? No, beat it. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I screwed it up. <laughs> This episode of Driving While Awesome is brought to you by Battery Tender. We often get asked what you should bring on a rally or a road trip, what kind of gear, tools, etc. And honestly, I don't even have to use this ad copy because I own one of these and it is something I bring everywhere I go. But Battery Tender is now making a thousand amp jump starter and these are awesome. You can throw away the jumper cables. It fits in your glove box. And on a single charge, you can jumpstart 30 vehicles. On top of that, you can charge your phone and other devices with it. It's got a flashlight. fits in your glove box. Pretty sweet. Batterytender.com. And if you use the code DWA20, you'll get 20% off your entire order. They have solar chargers, trickle chargers, all that stuff. Uh, even waterproof, weatherproof chargers and uh, maintainers for your battery. And I know most of us have a few extra cars that could use this stuff. So batterytender.com. They've been around since 1965. They know what they're doing. These things are safe. They work. And uh, you get a discount. So for being a listener of Driving While Awesome, use DWA20 at batterytender.com for 20% off. And we appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. All right. Enjoy the show. See ya. So new thing. I am walking the dog, Sunny, and I'm going to give a call to uh, some guys that uh, built a really sick car. And I just want to hear more about it. Um, if you guys could see me. You would see that this is ridiculous. I'm out here walking my dog. I have all my recording stuff strapped uh, to, uh, or like over my shoulder and in my pockets. My cat has followed me out front. So, anyways, I'm going to give these guys a call and hopefully this works. Hello? Hey, this is Brian from Driving Wall Awesome. Hey, what's going on, Brian? Just walking the dog, actually. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, so uh, this is kind of a new thing. You guys are my guinea pigs. Um, I have all the equipment set up for just doing these one-on-one phone calls, but I haven't done it yet. So um, I'm literally out here uh, walking the dog. My cat followed. I've got all the stuff strapped to me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm multitasking. That is awesome. That's innovative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. And batteries may die. We'll find out. I don't know. But I appreciate you guys uh, being willing to jump on uh, short notice here. It looked like you guys just got back from an event, too. Am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we just attended uh, No Coast 10, actually, um, down in uh, New Mexico, okay. uh, Sandia Speedway. Okay. Definitely. Uh, Definitely a lot of fun. I think there was like 142, 143-ish drivers. Okay. Jeez, um, that's a big event. Yeah. And so our whole team went down there. And uh, how many cars do we have on our team go down there? Six. Six cars from our team actually all came together and went down there. And you guys are from Colorado. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. Pretty okay. much all of us are from Colorado. And and this event, it's a drifting event, right? And I'm kind of just pulling together stuff I saw from your Instagram today. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's all yeah. drifting. Okay, all right. So for the listeners at home, uh, I haven't introduced yet what the car is that I'm that I'm calling you about, but uh, so I, w- I want to cover that real quick. Um, so, uh, fifty-one Chevy four-door that you put on an LS four hundred Lexus chassis. Yep, you got it. And you do it for you use it for drifting. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, it's funny because it just came up uh, on the podcast the other day. Uh, and so now, okay, I need to slow myself down because I'm already out of breath. Um, <laughs> so walking the dog and podcasting, I see there's limits here. Um, so anyway, so so I'll tell you a little background about why I'm interested. Uh, the people on the podcast know, but I've had a... Uh, 56 Chevy for over 20 years, um, that I have done nothing with. It's kind of a joke that it's a project I'll never finish. And, uh, lately I've been having it on my mind. Like I got to get rid of it or I got to do something with it. And I'm looking for easy outs. So, uh, I mentioned on the podcast, uh, just last week, I said, call me crazy, but I just looked up the wheelbase of a Lexus LS430 and it is exactly the same, like to within, within a few millimeters of, uh, the 56 Chevy. And that's like all of them, like the 51, like yours and all that. And the width is kind of similar. The weight is similar. Uh, yeah. so like just swap it over. And so that gets published as a podcast. And then just today people were listening to it and sending me links to your car. And so for me, I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, it actually works. And, yeah. You're, and, uh, you're also a mad scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm looking at wheelbase numbers nonstop. Like what, what would fit? Like I want an easy button here and obviously it's not easy, but so what you guys did is, uh, and, and I think, I think I'm giving the brief version here well enough. But you had an old LS 400, which is the earlier model, and yeah. you were drifting with that. Uh, wanted to do something a little different, and found uh, it just happened upon this $400 uh, 51 Chevy four-door fleet line or whatever custom line body uh, that someone was getting rid of. Exactly. And, and you yep. just merged the two. And now you were like on Hoonigan flailing that thing. <laughs> or flogging, I guess. Flailing is kind of the bad version. <laughs> no, Fla- it's, it's a little bit of flailing. There's a bit of both. Depends Dude, on which way I'm going. You're kind of <laughs> killing it. I mean, the freaking lines that you're pulling around in these little, like, burnout zones, like, super difficult stuff. Like, obviously, you've got uh, some practice behind the wheel because it's you're wheeling it, and it's so rad. And the the, the sound coming out of that thing is just amazing. So... I, I wanted, I, I'm so glad you guys are willing to just jump on last minute. You know, I literally like was just chatting with you, uh, on DM on Instagram and you guys are up for a phone call. That's rad. Um, but I just want to hear a little bit more about like, you know, that's, that's the outline, but you know what? Yeah. Like the doing, guts of it all. <laughs> do, yeah. Doing a chassis swap. So here, the one question I asked you was, would you do it again like that? And you said hundred percent, uh, you know, it's, it's half the effort and cost and twice the fun, basically. Um, when, you know, a lot of other people I would talk to would be like, yeah, I don't know that, you know, you're going to completely ruin a chassis and it's going to be harder than you think. So I, I don't know if we could hit like just the high levels of like what was way harder about doing this chassis swap than you were expecting or just how it yeah, went absolutely. in general. Yeah. So 
basically the number one thing we kept looking at was obviously we want to take as little away from the LS400 chassis as possible. We want to try to keep it as structurally sound as possible while yep. still retaining no exterior body modifications on the Chevy. Yep. Um, so started taking our width measurements and we instantly realized the LS400 was actually about three inches wider than the Chevy body was. Interesting. Um, that's a lot. So right off the bat, yeah, three yeah, it, was, it was definitely a lot. We, we realized that, um, pretty much the furthest inward point on each side of the Lexus was going to be right at the pinch weld. So we mm. cut everything from the pinch weld outwards off, um, mm-hmm. down the sides of the car. Um, shock towers still retained. They're still there. They're still factory. Um, and obviously we had to cut a lot of the Chevy body off. Uh, the entire floorboard is out. There's no floorboard from the Chevy in there. It's still the Lexus floorboard. Uh, the body mounts on the Chevy, cause obviously the Chevy is a frame on body car. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to retain those cause that's a lot of the structural, um, you know, portion of the Chevy body. So we pretty much plan to attach the Chevy body using the factory, uh, body mounting points onto the Lexus portion, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you have, you cut the Lexus portion down enough and then you basically add little square tubing or whatever to made up then with the body, the factory body mounts on the, on the 51. Is that roughly exactly? Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, uh, and pretty the, dead on. And, th- and this is like a weird hitch too, because it's like looking at the two, you know, there are other swaps that you can do. For, so I, I was, I'm coming at it from the other angle. Like I've got an old car. I want to get modern running gear in it. Uh, so what are the swaps? And so you typically will look at like trucks or whatever because they're body on frame and, and that would be an easier swap. You were going the other way. You had this, uh, unibody car and you just wanted to throw a top on it. But, uh, this is a weird little hitch, like mating the two. That's a, that's a, that's a tricky little bit to get your head around. Um, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're keeping the whole platform. So, and, and you're even, yeah, you're going firewall and everything from the, uh, from the LS 400. And so yeah, everything, everything yeah. above pretty much where the steering rack bolts to there's, you know, there's that factory crash bar yeah. um, side to side and everything from there downwards is all factory, including the wiring, yep. uh, factory fuse box, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the way I try to think about it, um, is an RC car and actually Bart, Bart is here with me, by the way, he's uh-huh. one of the guys that helped build it. He also uh-huh. did a giant, awesome gold leaf on the trunk. Oh, sick. Um, yeah. That was so nice. Yeah. Looking. <laughs> And actually, yeah, I, before you go even further, you guys got to introduce your, I, I didn't even ask your names. Uh, my, my name's Brian from the Driving Well Awesome podcast. Uh, can you guys introduce yourselves actually? Yeah. So my name is Jake Caldwell. Um, I am the owner of Spare Parts Speed Shop and, um, Barb McCune, uh, owner and operator of Cosine Sign Company. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. So okay. that's us. Um, we've been friends for a long time doing a bunch of car stuff. Um, it's probably mostly his fault that I'm doing this kind of weird car stuff. Nice. I was a big import guy and, uh, we just went down a deep, dark path. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. So yeah, yeah, you guys are saying, uh, RC car. That's where we left off before oh, yeah. I interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. So, so RC car, the, the big theory is, you know, with RC cars, you can just pop the body off and throw a different one on there. Right. Um, and as crazy as that sounds, when you think about any sort of race car, you pretty much cut out of as much weight as possible and then add a cage back in. Right. Yep. So what what's the difference between cutting all of the weight off the top half of the vehicle and then just, you know, adding your own body to it? Yeah. Um, and we have the benefit of uh, seeing other people do it. The whole like 
insert whatever, and then cart at the end of it, you know, Miata cart, vet cart. Exactly. You, know, you take a cheap exactly. C4 and you rip everything off and, and then just out of the cage and you're good. And it's like, you know, Exoset is a whole different version of that where they're just starting with the tube frame. But, uh, uh, but yeah, if, uh, there, there are so many examples where you can see like, oh, well, all, you know, I'm just taking it down to the bare minimum. And actually, if you think about it, uh, what was like hot rodding back in the, in the forties is like, you know, they were taking all these, um, you know, 32 Fords and they were stripping everything they could out until it was bare bones, even down to like belly tank, uh, racers. Uh, and you know, this is actually in the same spirit. It's like, give me just the running gear. Uh, and then whatever, and then we can throw patch whatever on top, and the patch is the 51 Chevy in this case, but uh, yeah, it's exactly. just covering it. Well, and that was kind of like the one big thing I noticed. Um, I've always been an import guy, but I got into hot rodding, I don't know, over the past six or seven years. Um, hot rodding is super expensive. Anything like pre-82-ish, you, you just start throwing money at them. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of great companies that provide a lot of aftermarket support. But I mean, in in the typical rat rod, hot rod fashion, we try to do it as cheap as possible, as good as possible. Exactly. Um, you know, obviously, I could have just bought a bunch of QA one suspension components for this, done an independent rear or four link rear, and put an LS in it. Um, but that's ten thousand dollars right there. Easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You start adding so, up the individual costs, and then let alone like any scope creep that happens during it, you know. But it's like I'm looking at just a rear end. If you get a, a dialed rear end, it's like. That alone is going to be, uh, you know, four grand if you get the good stuff with disc brakes. Yeah. And that's just the rear end. And then, you know, let alone like a good transmission and, and then any, uh, you know, suspension and, and brakes. And you're still going to have something super archaic. Or you go like a Art Morrison route where they do a full chassis, uh, but that's twenty grand by itself right there. So yeah, like all it's, these it's, stuff, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then what well, you had, you had a cheap LS four hundred, I would imagine. But you know anybody can like if I'm looking at the LS four thirties for five grand, there's a pretty decent selection of cars that are under two hundred thousand miles, and everybody knows that the Lexus Toyota build quality will allow those things to run much longer but um you know that's five grand for all of the parts basically then it's just a uh, you know a shit ton of labor to get it all together yeah and if you look at it at that point you can buy a hail damaged uh lexus or something like that you don't have to have a clean body because you're going to strip all that off anyway totally but yeah. that but at the end of it you have dual overhead cam fuel injection yeah uh disc brakes all four corners independent suspension like the whole deal and it's all yeah. very well engineered from toyota from toyota and you, yeah yeah and you swap that underneath a 51 chevy and everyone's like all the hot rodders are like why would you do that and it's yeah. like because it's everything that you want right right yeah. add up yeah. all these costs you know in the aftermarket and it's like there's no competition and it's the aftermarket it's not a uh unit designed as a cohesive piece by a, a you know the best the best manufacturer out there arguably um right. and so yeah. and, and so this thing must ride amazing i mean that the ls400 <laughs> is is known for uh you know its ride quality basically right it, okay so um i don't think i've posted too much of this we actually just did a lot of work on it um leading up to no coasts we'll, we'll we'll rewind about two months if we have a few moments um yeah absolutely take your time with it uh so 
a friend of mine decided to turbo his Honda and by turbo his Honda, I mean, he built it to make like 460 horse to the wheel. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty normal nowadays for Honda builds. It's definitely oh, okay. nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, the turbo he originally purchased for it was actually too small. Um, so that turbo got gifted to me. And what do you do with a free turbo? You obviously turbo your race car. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we threw a big old turbo on it. Okay. Um, it's on E85, still on factory management. We're running Mazda RX-8 injectors. I'm on seven pounds of boost. Huh. Um, it, it definitely gets it. So that was like the big next step. And the thing felt amazing. I was like, cool, we are dialed. We're ready to go to no coast. Um, and that was seven, six days before we left for no coast. And my automatic transmission decided to grenade itself. Oh, a week before. And a week before. Yeah. That's a pretty hefty drive too. Are, are, are you trailering this thing? Or are you driving it? Oh, uh, we, do, we do trailer at any local events. We like to drive them. Obviously, you know, that's our big thing, but obviously with this vehicle doing what it does, I want to drive it to its fullest extent. Yeah. And I, I just feel a lot more comfortable being able to send it and know yeah. that we can just load it onto a trailer and fix whatever I broke later on. Yep. Absolutely. It doesn't have, it doesn't have windows or most right. of an interior. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah, no interior. Yeah. This thing is a metal death trap, but anyways, uh, so we're cleaning out. up to yeah. Right. Yeah. Training goes out. And, uh, I've been, I've been kind of collecting parts, trying to do a BMW ZF transmission swap out of the, uh, 330i E46. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're pretty sought after transmission. They hold a lot of power. Really good. Um, the only issue is, is nobody's done that transmission in an LS400 chassis that we could find. I was trying to find somebody that can give me some advice to see what we were about to get into. Yeah. And, uh, that night me and Bart pretty much said, screw it. Let's just go for it and get it done by no coast. Gosh. So a transmission uh, that nobody's, <laughs> you found no yeah. record of people mating up to that motor and you're just well, going to go found for the it. People mating to the motor. Um, it was just, we haven't found it inside the chassis. No one's done it in LS 400. So we were, you know, kind of concerned with drive shaft, um, you yeah. know, transmission tunnel clearancing, mounting. Yeah. Uh, mounting, making a transmission mount, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, took us about four days. Would you say four days or so? Yeah. Four four days um, after work, uh, getting it in the car. 3, 4 a.m. every night. Yeah, 3 to 4 yeah. a.m. every night, and then going to work at 7. You know how it goes. Yeah. Typical yeah. car stuff. Yeah. Um, so we got all that done, and then comes the big dilemma of the BMW transmission uses what's called a Glebo U-joint. I'm sure you've probably seen those, the big old rubber flexy things. Yep, I'm very familiar. Um, yeah. Yeah, th- those things are good. Uh, you know, they're, they're really good for hiding vibration and noise and all that kind of stuff. And they can take some power. I'm not denying that, obviously. Um, the Lexus also uses that. So I was like, oh, maybe we can retain both of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could have. But instead, we went to the, uh, I believe it's a 1350 Spicer U-joint. It'll take a bunch of power. They're easy ah. to get everywhere in the country. Um, so local drive shaft shop that does a bunch of really good work. Actually, CNC cut uh, an aluminum adapter, basically, that goes from the bolt pattern to a 1350U joint. Interesting. So got all that mounted. Um, Drift HQ really came through helping out um, get the adapter plate, the shifter, the clutch, the pressure plate, flywheel, all of that. It's got like a nine-pound flywheel in it with a five-puck clutch. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, the car's definitely gone through a lot of changes now. Um, turbo manual, it's a completely different beast. I can, I, I wish it was turbo and manual when I went to Hoonigan the first time because this thing can wheel now. It's a completely new animal. 
Yeah, to go back to your uh, comment about it being super luxurious and cushy and all that, we had to isolate all that cushiness and vibration and everything because it just caused the wheel or the car to have wheel hop. Mm. So all those nice rubber bushings that are, you know, 20 years old or whatever yeah, uh, had to be replaced and yeah. uh, made solid so the car actually do what it needs to do. Yeah, so, um, yes, at one point it did ride really smooth. It did when I first built it. We we actually cruised this thing down the Las Vegas trip when we were at SEMA. We pulled out of SEMA the first night after we got done drifting, and three of us jumped in the car, and we were we were cruising down the strip, ripping off the little yellow tags in the middle of the lanes, doing burnouts and stuff, you know, <laughs> just being really nice to the environment and yeah. uh, respectful to the Las Vegas trip. And one yeah. of our guys, Johnny, almost dying from carbon monoxide poisoning and the lack of backseat that I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. So banging around with a roll cage and everything mm-hmm. oh yeah there's no seats back there but he was having right. a great time so right. we're just gonna ignore that windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um but yeah i mean it's, it's still a great car obviously if you aren't going for crazy power actually honestly if you were going for crazy power and just had a built auto the thing would probably feel amazing or if you retain the guibos the thing would still feel great um obviously i i've got some work to do still um as you can see we're we're still in the uh ironing out of the issues <laughs> yeah so well i mean you're but, you're definitely uh at the pointy end here i mean you know to take to do this swap one that kind of a big deal uh enough work as it is but then two to be taking it drifting and just hammering on it and adding a turbo you're really you you're like going this is like aggressive product development you're going straight to the most difficult thing <laughs> I mean, in, you know, short of like King of the Hammers, uh, you guys are, you guys are punishing this thing pretty hard. And you could, yeah, pro- yeah. you could probably, I mean, if you weren't drifting, you might be able to get around on a lot of the more stock stuff, uh, as an entry, I would guess. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in every Hoonigan video you see, it was automatic. When we took it to SEMA, it was automatic. All I've done to the, let's, let's just pretend it's just an LS400. I did eBay coilovers. I welded the diff and I did some knuckles. That's all that's done to it. Dang. And they have, and so, the knuckles are a thing. They, they'll make drift knuckles with, that give more steering angle and everything and, and are heavier, oh, yeah. heavier duty. Cause people, yeah, they're, they're crazy, I, crazy I, amount of angle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I don't know anything about the, uh, uh, LS 400 or LS 430 scene. I know that, you know, people slam them and do like VIP style, but I didn't know if people were actually drifting them before, but that, I mean, I, yeah, I would imagine all the, all the drivetrain components are good, but awesome to hear that they have stuff like, uh, yeah, those different, uh, uh, uprights and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, yeah, we started like a little drift community, uh, LS 400 drift society or something like that on Facebook. Oh. Um, because we were, we were posting in other LS 400 groups and man, we were getting like, we were getting hung out. So everybody was, everybody yeah. was so mad at us. So, like, these are luxurious cars. You'd not be doing this. I got kicked out of like five LS 400 groups for the I'm, Chevy. I'm it not was su- amazing. I'm not surprised. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's uh, a badge of honor probably. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was on one earlier because I was nerding out on the wheel choices and, uh, uh, it's people talking about putting 16 inch wheels on the, on the LS 400 and whatnot. And, um, you know, they're all talking about like different ride quality and everything. And these are guys that are like, you know, going smaller wheels so they can do a bigger sidewall. So it's a more plush ride. And, uh, <laughs> I, it's like completely anti everything you guys are doing. Absolutely. So yeah, I can see yeah. how you'd rub them the wrong way. Yeah. That, that was another, uh, another big point that I kind of jumped over. Uh, I really wanted to run 
the Moon Eyes hubcaps just for that like salt flats kind of look that it has. Uh huh. And it's really hard to find them in anything bigger than a 16. So like you just said, I mm-hmm. did go down to a 16. That's not usually an issue on the first gen LS 400s. Um, the second gen LS 400s, it's not possible because they've got gigantic front calipers. Oh, really? Um, huh. So I actually had to try to convince somebody locally to trade me SC300 front rotors and front calipers uh-huh. um, because they're a huge upgrade in the SC community. And it's actually really hard to try to give away bigger brakes on a car. I never thought that'd be possible, but it was super hilarious. to be like, yes, I want your smaller brakes. Trade me. Yeah. So. And so that worked. But did you? must did, be a scam. Did you find the smaller ones then and it worked? Yeah, I actually did. Um, I, I, I traded with a guy who uh, I've actually been in contact with a bunch, and he actually is into LS400s as well and SC400s. But, yeah, it's it's worked out. So. And, um, okay, and then so moving on to the tranny, uh, you got it in. Any surprises or did it, did it work just like you were hoping? Is it, is it, and now you've got a turbo. So, uh, I don't know. Is it, is it all working okay with the manual and is it making it, so, I mean, it sounds like it's more fun to drive now. You said it really cooks now. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the transmission wasn't a, a bolt in experience per se, obviously. Um, as far as mating it to the motor, super simple. Drift HQ did a great job of making a good product that was pretty self-explanatory and went together super smooth. Um, the but, only issue is, is that the transmission is significantly bigger, the, the manual. Oh, okay. So we cut the whole trans tunnel out. Right. Whole, whole thing went out. Um, and by we, I mean Bart, uh, while, while I was sleeping, nice. um, in the car, <laughs> um, and then nice. him and a, another good buddy, AJ actually, uh, pretty much made a whole raised transmission tunnel, um, unbolts from the car too. Yeah. yeah so I you like can actually, that. yeah, you can remove it. So that way, if you ever have to bowl, you know, your clutch blows up at the track, it, it'll take an hour to pull rather than yeah. four hours. Cause you got to fish the top bolts out. So yeah. Yeah. Race, um, race car stuff. Yeah. You, all, yeah, access, yeah. Access is key. Yeah. And definitely doesn't have to like look super nice, but it looked like you guys are doing a good job. Uh, you've had a photo on Instagram, but, but I'm curious. So how does it work? Does it all like a manual transmission on that motor? I mean, the, oh, mo- the motor sounds like amazing. it screams. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a really good motor, and they're in everything too, which is a, a nice bonus for for spare parts. But yeah, uh, uh, you know, those motors are everywhere, but not with a manual transmission. So uh, and yeah. so yeah, with a lightweight flywheel and everything, you're probably looking pretty good. But that sounds like a oh, lot of fun. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it it's it's super smooth. Um, it really woke the car up. It's night and day. Um, we actually lost, I had, I developed an exhaust leak pretty bad on Sunday. Uh, I had to go off course to avoid something and, uh, I broke one of my exhaust couplers. And so I lost all boost. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it until like two to three laps in after it occurred because I wasn't keeping up with some of my friends. And I looked down, I was like, Oh, I don't have boost, but the car still felt like I had plenty of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, yeah, the, the manual woke the car up so much that, it's night and day different. You 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 can drift an automatic. I have no problem doing that. I'll still do it on another Lexus. I'll build. Um, but the manual swap, it just it, it makes it so much better. It's so much more drivable. Um, the floor mounted shifter just it, it feels so. I don't know what, what what's the word you would use, Bart? Any any word that comes to mind? <laughs> well, I don't know. You can still you can talk to your buddies and said, yeah, I did that entry in third gear. So that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. And drifting, the big thing is to say what what gear you're entering and turn in because nobody knows how fast we're going. <laughs> like, there's no speedometer for moving. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I definitely would recommend doing a manual conversion to any one UZ owners. Um, and, and yeah, the one UZ is a great motor. And what kind of red line is on that thing? That is a good question. Um, I probably should know the answer to that. But I will be honest, the gauge cluster has not worked since the Hoonigan video dropped. Um, I'm not too sure what the red line is. All I know is that when you hold it there for eight minutes straight, it doesn't blow up. It's, so it's, crazy, yeah. dude. It's got a rev limiter. It's good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And- I, so I watched that video today and I could hear, I could hear you're just banging off the rev limiter the whole time. And then, uh, the guy Dan or whatever, he's like, when you stop, he's like, well, how hot is it? And it, it's like totally fine yet running like normal temperature. And you were just like nonstop pinned on that thing. So yeah, it does. Yeah. So what is the, what is the rev limit? Doesn't matter. It, it handles it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's fine. That's the, we- at, uh, at SEMA, we went out, uh, Hoonigan actually had us out to the, uh, the SEMA burnyard experience. So they did, uh, three days of drifting and just killing tires in their little lot they had right outside, uh, SEMA. And, uh, I kept having overheating issues there just because it was so much hotter and it was a lot smaller area. So I couldn't get any airflow uh, to the radiator. Okay. Um, we ended up going to Home Depot. We got a bug sprayer and we went to the flower section and got some misters. Huh. And we hooked it up to the front of the radiator, and my beautiful girlfriend was in the passenger seat pumping the uh, bug sprayer while I was drifting around on track. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys are so nuts. That is the coolest and, thing, man. Well, <laughs> I can't and believe shout, it. And shout out to the old man in the plumbing section that helped us out because he uh, had the same overheating issues in his RV and told us exactly what to buy and how to hook it up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. God. He was great. Just some, like, random 80-year-old dude. He's like, oh, yeah, I've had that problem. I got you guys. Like, totally understood the situation. Like, it was nothing. Like, we were hoping to get his name, but I'm sure it was, like, Bill or Bob or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. And that's that's Vegas stuff. It gets to, like, 120. It's these RV guys. They got to know. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And it, it worked. I did a 140-mile-hour burnout uh, for, was it, like, seven and a half minutes on video? Dang. <laughs> Like I, I just hammered it to the, the fourth gear, red line. Like it was, it was bad. I don't know how the tires didn't start on fire, but um, you were definitely dis- disappointed, yeah, that they didn't because it deserved to. Oh yeah, no, it was. I was kind of scared. I was like, "There's going to be a fire today. I can tell there's going to be a fire." Never lit on fire. Never had an issue. Don't know why. But um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I, this I definitely is all, would recommend it. This is all very good news. Uh, I guess while you're talking about the cooling, I did notice that you did put the radiator in the back. Why, why did you do that? Is that just a drift thing? Just because you're going to bang into stuff and that's safer? Um, no. So when I first turboed it, um, I had the intercooler in a terrible spot. There's no. I, I had to take about six inches out of the front end of the LS400 frame. Okay. Uh, because the Chevy front end is so much shorter for the wheelbase. Yeah. Um, if you look at photos from the side of the Chevy, you can actually see there's maybe, I don't know, a foot further forward on the LS 400. There's like a little over two feet. Yeah. So unfortunately when I did that, obviously I had to get an aftermarket radiator, shorter radiator hoses. I had to go to electric fans, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, not a big deal until you add a turbo into the mix and you have to try to get uh, fresh air for the intercooler. Mm. Um, I was going to go to a water to air setup. And I kind of thought about it more. And my big thing is whenever I build a car, I want to be able to drive this thing on the street. I want to be able to go to the track. I don't want to have to spend more time in the pits adding water to systems or, you know, so on and so forth or waiting for it to cool down. I want to be able to hot lap. I want to be able to be on track as much as possible. I want to be able to drive it home at the end of the day. Um, so reliability is a big thing with me. And so it kind of got to the point where I realized I need to do a big front mount intercooler, which means the radiator now has to go to the back of the vehicle. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Uh, uh, and talking about the streetability of the vehicle, it is still registered and insured as a 1951 Chevy. Right. There that's, are absolutely so, no rules. <laughs> you can so do whatever you want California, with it. California, that's like no smog as long as they don't pop Ex- the hood, I Exactly. Suppose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I'm pretty sure I would go to jail if they popped the hood in California. <laughs> I don't I don't know how the rules are down there or over there. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah even, even though emissions-wise, it's all like – it's all pretty nice, you know, luxury stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, any 85. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great for the environment. <laughs> and b- by the way, I just have to mention that, uh, you know, it's kind of like hard to take you seriously. You're talking about all these things. Like I, I like these things to be streetable and all this stuff. And if you're picturing in your head, the car you're talking about, it just like, it's so different. Like, <laughs> you know, a guy like you talking about stuff that you want to be able to drive to the track, dependable. And then you snapshot, look at the picture of the car and it's like, looks like completely the opposite. So. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I can appreciate this. It, it's still a '95 Lexus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, two hundred and forty plus thousand miles on the motor. Um, still original, to my knowledge. It, I mean, the numbers match. Uh, so the only thing that hasn't been taken out of the car at this point is pretty much the motor. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And did you guys do? Um, you know, so it sounded like you made your own exhaust. Like, do, are you using the factory, uh, um, so, you know, exhaust manifolds and everything, or do you go like a custom? Yeah, so header? it's it's kind of weird. So it's it's got the stock uh, upper exhaust manifolds. Um, I, I can't take credit for fatting up the turbo piping. It was actually left over from somebody else's LS four hundred project oh, that right. they uh, turbo they went completely everything. a yeah. different route. Right. Yeah, yeah, and he ended up redoing all of his stuff and going to a trunk mount. I believe he didn't like the setup. Um. Basically, what it is is right after the factory exhaust manifolds, uh, essentially, it does a 90-degree bend from the passenger header, goes towards the driver's side manifold, and then loops underneath the subframe, and then straight up into the turbo. <laughs> oh, interesting. So it's it's kind of a weird setup. Yeah, the big messy. thing to note is, I yeah, I know, it's kind of weird. Uh, the big thing to note, though, is when we set this body on the chassis, um, you're probably familiar with, you know, body drops, how you drop the body lower than the frame. Uh, like channeling I've heard of, but yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically that. Yeah. 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 Our riding terms. Be right. called channeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So basically that's what I did. Cause the LS 400 is actually super high up off the ground. Uh-huh. The body is low, but I have a bunch of ground clearance underneath. Interesting. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. I love to hear that. Yeah. yeah the coils, coilovers aren't set very low at all. Okay. Yeah, no, we could we could set this thing so low on the ground that I bet you I get the wheels to turn because the body's supporting the chassis. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, we we well we kind of figured. I mean, that's the best thing to do. You don't you want it to look low, you want it to feel low, but you also want to make sure all your structural and all your mechanical stuff is going to be out of the way. Totally. Keep the, yeah. Keep the suspension geometry proper. Yeah, right. yeah, that's the big thing. Is a lot of people that get into drifting and a lot of high horsepower applications. Um, when they slam their car, they're also forgetting that, you know, every degree of angle you add to your axles, you're going to start killing your horsepower capabilities mm-hmm. as far as reliability goes. Yeah. So my axles are they are pretty much uh, perfectly flat, yeah. um, which that'll help with longevity and, you know, so on and so forth. So just a few tips and tricks if you are going to go down that route. I definitely advise, um, what, what's it called? Channeling? Channel. Channeling the body. <laughs> yeah. Well, my weird tweak is I... I uh... I've been looking at like traditional, traditional stuff. Like, uh, what I'm super into is, uh, 
the vintage NASCAR stuff where they basically in the mid fifties, what, uh, the lay of the land was is you just like basically pull out a, uh, you know, a car you buy from the lot and you can take it out racing and they're all sitting up high. They got truck tires. It was all about dependability. And so actually my little tweak is I would be stoked on a little bit of extra ground clearance, uh, because it's almost like uh, a truck ride height at that, at that point. Um, but, uh, th- you know, I'm a long ways from getting into that sort of detail. Uh, but I'm super encouraged to hear that. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, like I personally probably wouldn't even channel it. I would just leave it high cause I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not doing the drift thing, but, um, uh, you know, any, any time, like you turn this, this would be a great gambler car, gambler 500. Uh, <laughs> and so you, you've just built a recipe, uh, especially if there's some extra gr- ground clearance, uh, people bu- building TRD Chevys and taking them off into Oregon backcountry. I mean, it's perfect, right? That so, would be awesome. Throw some skid plates on there. Yeah. I actually just did the Colorado Gambler a few weeks ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> so there you go. I'm super yeah. familiar with it. Our, yeah. One of our teammates, Johnny, actually took a, uh, like a 90s Mercedes turbo diesel, yes. uh, 300, cut yes. the body off, did the whole, you know, go-kart, uh, roll cage on it and, uh, put a huge turbo on it. And he actually did the Oregon Gambler last year with it. And then we just sent it this last, I don't know, like a month ago. Right. So. Um, yeah, all terrain tires on the rear and everything. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and that's like so, one, of the, one of the slowest cars ever, even with stock tires. So I'm sure that's, <laughs> that's oh no, this thing is scary fast. I'm pretty sure what? it beat the Chevy now. Oh yeah. Well, it's got the OM606 diesel motor. If you're not oh, familiar with that diesel motor, right, yeah. that thing is crazy when you start adding some, some power and some feel to it. Right. And he's okay. got the, uh, He's got the go fast switch in the center console, which just dumps fuel. So yeah, it changes the uh, duty cycle to like a hundred percent. I don't know if you've seen that on diesels, but there's some weird trickery you can do with resistors and well, just totally destroy it. <laughs> well, you guys are so, rad. This is all such good stuff. <laughs> it sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah. I love to hear it. Um, yeah, we we like to have fun. <laughs> we so, just stop prepping cars a week before the. Before drift events, yeah. I know, right? That's brutal. Because <laughs> you get there and you're just like, you got to, at the end of the day, uh, after you get everything going, you got to actually tow there. You got to do the long ass drive right. and everybody's tired. And then, Oh, I hate uh, to admit it, but Bart drove the whole way and I slept. I slept in the back of that thing like a baby. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So Bart, Bart's the real hero here. And of course he's he the, is. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. silent one because uh, that's give, how it always works. Don't give me that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bart, Bart's the method behind the madness. <laughs> I love it. Well, but, uh, I, you know, I'll, yeah. at the end of all of this, I am, I, so I've had, again, coming from the other angle, I've had this 56 Chevy sitting in my backyard forever and I would love to just get some, get it on the road. So it's going to take me a little bit to like get my head around cutting that much out of the bottom of it. Uh, you know, like up all in the firewall and uh, it's a, kind of a big commitment. You're definitely going all in and you guys did it right. You, you're starting with something that had basically no value. I mean, a four door, and it looked like there was a ton of rust down there. And so that's, oh, yeah. that's it was, perfect. It was There's, crushed basically. Yeah. That's like no regrets. Like you're basically saving something that would have been crushed. So, uh, so yeah, there's no heartache there. So that's, that's the right way to do it. And you could, uh, I mean, the, for those listening at home, I mean, I don't know the, the, uh, fifties, the fifties, uh, American stuff 
like the values like tanks. Like people aren't really building those right now. So no. I'm sure you could find, uh, you know, sub $500 cars all day to do this with, which, you know, 5,000 plus 500 to start. And then, then all the labor we're talking about and the modifications that you're going to end up doing anyways. But, uh, it's, that's a lot for what you're doing. Yeah. You take a car that's, uh, riddled with rust that's a 50s four-door that is destined for the crusher and then yep. you pair it with a 95 lexus that has over 200,000 miles is destined for the crusher right yeah and you you weld them together and it makes a really cool car that right. obviously gets a lot of press yeah totally <laughs> yeah totally. It's, it's been a lot of fun to drive i mean i definitely i definitely would recommend doing this to anybody i mean we did this in the garage without a lift in 65 days start to finish. Oh, and actually you mentioned that and you said a tricky part that you guys didn't really document it because you were busy working and not doing video of the whole thing. But, uh, what, uh, you said it was tricky getting it underneath. How, any, <laughs> any quick notes on, on, uh, best practices there or like uh, lessons yeah, learned? This is the part where OSHA should probably tune out. <laughs> yeah, don't use two by four center blocks and jack stands to hold the car oh, up. Man. Oh, so man. yeah. Don't you just strap um, we, the body to the to the rafters in the garage or something like you know like if they were big put, enough yeah we thought about it yeah, stick we a bar about across, doing that. yeah right yeah um yeah no we we pretty much like I supported the rear half of the Chevy like all the way back at the trunk and I kid you not we had cinder blocks uh on each side of the Chevy body as far out as possible and then I took off the rear wheels on the Lexus. I had a jack holding the rear differential up on the Lexus, mm -hmm. and I set it as low as possible to where it would just roll underneath. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bart and another friend pushed it in while I was like, "Keep going, keep going, stop, 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 and keep going." Okay, okay. <laughs> like, you know, eventually there, there is a stop motion video um, somewhere. I'll send it to you. Yeah, there's a time lapse. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a little time lapse video showing us doing that exact portion. Nice. Um, so keep the grinder and stalls all like handy when right. you're trying to fit the two together. That's yeah, the there was yeah, a lot so of trimming. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like it and, wasn't like you did all the measurements and everything fit perfectly. You're basically like rolling it under after you've skinned the LS400. You're rolling it under and then seeing what you need to cut and seeing where the the new square tubing is going to go to make it work. Right? Yeah, I mean, we we did a lot of measurements. We got pretty close. We only ended up having to cut cut out most of the LS400 rear wheel wells. Um, mm -hmm. We got pretty close on the width as far as the uh, the uh, square tubing fitting around the outside of the Lexus portion. Okay. Um, we ran into issues around the A pillar area and the uh, like I said, the rear wheel wells. Okay. Um, so those two areas. There may or may or may not have been like a little bit of like three pound sledgehammer action. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Just to move some stuff out of the way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There was there was definitely a lot of that. Um, but yeah, there, there's really not too much more to it. Uh, I definitely, I definitely will be doing this again. I don't know when. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know where. Actually, I do know where. We're gonna do it right here in the garage because that's what we do. Yeah. And there may be a Ford in the works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're 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 talking about maybe doing a Ford here soon. Like um, it. we and, got, we got our eyes on some old Ford thing. So just, just because now we're, you know, we're talking about some of the, this is like the, the work part of it. I have to, I have to have it on the record. Like, are you guys, where are you guys at? You guys have families. It sounds like you have day jobs. So you've got that. So you're normal people in that, in that sense. Uh, yeah. and, and do you guys, uh, yeah. Are you guys, uh, in families yet or how's that work? You guys, uh, I'm just wondering how much extra time you have for this stuff. Um, I don't know how my girlfriend hasn't left. Uh, she, she, <laughs> yeah. she lets me work on this thing day in, day out. She's super understanding. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, we, we just kind of try to work outside of our regular work hours. Right. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good info. And yeah. I own a hand paint and sign business, so I've got a lot of free time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I, yeah, I'm I'm a night owl too, so like you know, three four a.m. is not not that big of an issue for me as long as there's beer, we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just I keep feeding him beer. He keeps showing up and hanging out. Uh, it's a good time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, it just, that describes how this stuff gets done, and that's that's kind of the only way. Uh, so yeah, for and, all and of those there's a lot of other home, people that have helped. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You got to have a crew. Oh, yeah. Well, this has been eye opening and, uh, I appreciate you guys getting into a little more detail. I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I didn't know about you guys till today. I'm now, you know, subscribed to your, uh, profiles. So I'm, I'm watching the progress. Glad to hear you guys had a good, uh, good event that you just got back from and all the tranny stuff is working good because uh, that's kind of like the fun bit, bit right there yeah absolutely yeah uh, thank you for having us on we really appreciate it it's really yeah. nice to meet you yeah and uh when you go down that route and start uh you know cut the body off that chevy just hit us up we're only uh we're only a flight away okay so uh right you now we, we've done a few things in a weekend we're not proud of and uh i'm sure we can lend a hand or two <laughs> all right all right that is dangerous that's got, like telling kramer that he can go in the fridge I don't, you guys gotta be aware yeah. of that you got a cot in a shower i'm there <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome well good to know yeah well hopefully i run into you guys uh you know we'll do sema and all that stuff too so if they start doing those things again then um uh i'll, I'll try to keep in touch maybe we'll see each other in an event absolutely <laughs> all right well i'll sign off for now but uh thank you guys so much and have a good evening thank you you as well all right see ya bye patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome do you enjoy the dwa podcast give us a little love and support us on patreon and get some awesome bonuses like a weekly exclusive patreon podcast exclusive stickers koozies and discounts on everything in our store early access to rallies and other dwa events and much much more um yeah it really helps us out if you become a patron of the podcast and we hook you up with some really cool stuff. So join us now at patreon.com forward slash driving while awesome. Thanks.